is a definition of liberalism. That which was brought in by the French Revolution and all that, you know, and the English Revolution and all the Enlightenment revolutions. Yeah. In other words, liberalism was whatever the opposite of um, monarchy by divine rule was. So liberalism was coming up with political systems that relied on people debating things through reason, you know, um, a political system based on rational debate, you know, and reason, you know, the age of reason, okay? Um, whereas before, God told you what political system to put in place via a king or a queen and a priestly class, you know. So, prior to liberalism, God defined the political system. Yeah, and typically, typically, God would uh, dictate that the political system that should be in place should be something feudal, feudal, you know, a king and, you know, a nobility and what the French called the three estates. You know, the first estate, a priestly class, a second estate, a noble class, and a third estate, the peasants and the merchants, you know, things like that the artisans, alright? So, that was the non-liberal system. And a liberal system was um, where you um, you think without reference to God or a divine sort of power up in the sky, you think, what is the best system that will achieve freedom for the people? You know, and sometimes, as I said, you know, for some people, that sort of liberalism can be achieved through conservative, progressive conservativeness, conservatism, um, and so on. You know, some people think through socialism, and some things people think through anarchy. You know, and all that stuff that um, that liberalism, uh, freedom for the people, can be achieved. Now, in the suite of options under the category liberalism which I've, you know, mentioned over and over again, there's so many of them, communism, socialism, everything, capitalism, you know, under this suite of options, I can't see why you couldn't put, add in, Indigenous Australia. The idea of Indigenous Australia as a, um, as a political system worth looking at, and, um, and I'll just leave it at that. You know, I can't see why that can't fit in. All right, and then you could have another one, um, indigenous American culture. And then you could have any other culture in the world. You could, um, you could inspect it and say, does this fit? And that would rule out all the systems, you know, for example, in Africa that had a monarchy um, installed by divine right, that would rule out for example, the uh, the politics that arose from royalty in Ethiopia, because that was, you know, that is the opposite of liberalism. That is just authoritarian rule, or king. You know what I said before. You know, uh, you know, up to Haile Selassie. Yeah, you know, because Ethiopia is often one of my touchstones. 
but all the kings from Menelik the first, you know, way back in the time of Queen of Sheba, whether he be mythical or not, doesn't matter, um, all the way through to Haile Selassie, the last emperor of Ethiopia, you might think, no, that can't be included, because that's a backward step, a backward step as far as liberalism is concerned, you know, because that's authoritarian rule. So liberalism would call that a primitive system, you know, just like it called its own monarchies primitive systems. So the system of the English monarchy under Queen Elizabeth I, not the second, um, you know, was a, a more primitive system as far as the liberal liberalism is concerned. All right, but um, Indigenous Australia could very well offer some uh, political ideas that might assist us to find the best system for um, freedom for the people, you know. Um, however you define freedom, you know, that's another whole issue. Okay, so that's that. Now, um, liberal systems had been, you know, um, had been um, explored before. Uh, you know, when I said prior to the liberalism that was brought in by the Enlightenment, all, if most, if not all, civilizations on Earth were following a non-liberal, authoritarian, divine rule, monarchy-style system, and I think that might still might be right. Um, uh, but if you go back even further in time, you know, back back, back through the Middle Ages and back through medieval times and back through the Dark Ages, you actually come back into a certain light, you know, it's like going through a tunnel backwards and you come out in the light again, um, back in ancient Greece and Rome, uh, you know, and there was a time there for Rome, for example, uh, ran things with no, you know, the, the um, government of Rome for a time there, um, you know, it was very much run along the lines of logic. They were seeking to, run, you know, they had to argue things out on the Senate floor uh, along the lines of logic, you know. Now, they had their superstitions and all that sort of stuff, but I'm talking about, you know, Australia has got its superstitions and all that too. We've got religion still, don't worry about that, but we are a liberal society because we have separated it out, you know. We don't... We don't consult scripture when we're trying to work out our laws and our politics, you know. Um, and the Romans, similarly, they reasoned out their politics, reason, you know, rather than, you know, so, saying, I am the king and this is the law, you know, which is what divine rule monarchy tends to be. Okay, so... Liberalism. I, I, I think Indigenous Australia could be brought in as an option. We should investigate it. Um, it's like Western medicine. See, the Western ideology allows for that. You know, Western ideology doesn't have to invent everything itself. Now, obviously, it has Western Western um, ideology has invented a lot of things. You know, technology and all. Sort of stuff is largely from Western ideas. Science, as we know it, largely a Western idea. You know, 
now I know it's got roots and all that sort of stuff that you know you, you could trace back but modern science you know was a flame was a fire that exploded if you can say fires explode um, in Europe you know. right um, and technology especially did so now everyone's picking up on it now, you know, and China's making great inventions, and everyone's making have, having great inventions, you know. Um, but it came from Europe. Yeah. Um, now, um, what next? Yeah, and, and Naz would argue, oh yes, but mathematics came from, you know, we are the peacemakers, the love makers from Africa, and mathematics came from Babylon, and that's pretty much Africa, you know. But I don't. I don't know, the way Naz claims areas that his people probably had no contact with, whether that be Babylon or Egypt or whatever. You know, there is one Naz song that I came across which in which he says, Africans taught the Greeks and the Romans, you know, what they know. You know. Now, I don't think Naz can, oh my goodness, I don't think he's a historian, but let's just leave that alone. Um, okay, but... Um, They might have taught a couple of things, you know. But, oh, I'll leave that alone. Right. Uh, so, Indigenous Australia. Yeah, so Western, uh, the way the West thinks is like this. Um, medicine, for example. Western medicine. What is Western medicine? Western medicine is the idea of... Um, putting all medicines, all possible medicines, through testing, right? And doesn't matter where those medicines come from, we don't discount them, we test them, and if they survive through testing and come up trumps, they are included in Western medicine. So, there could be something in Chinese medicine, right? Because, uh, you know... Um, that uh, Western medicine becomes aware of, for example. The Western medicine, especially more recently, you know, um, uh, Western medicine will grab that thing. Let's say it was a tiger paw or something, you know, or a horn of a, a rhinoceros or something. And the Chinese would say that that brings you, um, that cures, you know, I don't know, rickets, you know what I mean? If you eat a tiger's paw and um, grind up a rhinoceros horn and drink it in water suspended that that will cure rickets all right so that's Chinese medicine now how does that cure become Western medicine well it has to be trialed so we grab that Eastern medicine and we trial it and after the trials if it proves to uh, cure records it gets registered as western medicine and, you know and Chinese people say hey no that's ours and western medicine says well you know yes it is but it's ours too now it's part of western medicine now what made it qualify for western medicine um, was that we tested it and it survived you know now and the Chinese say aha see Chinese medicine is right and they said, oh, no, no, because we tested 10 other things you've got and it didn't come up trumps. So we didn't include that. 
That's how Western medicine works. And now, um, the same goes for the Western way of looking at politics, you know. We should, more and more, Western medicine, you know, was a bit proud. The West was a bit proud early and it had to be invented by them. But we've put that aside now. So we're getting a little bit more broad in scope. So the West um, grabs a political idea from somewhere else, as long as it's not all there, you know, and we're only talking liberalism here, you know, because that's a, this, um, we already know the other one, the authoritarian, so we don't need to test that. We tested that ad nauseum for centuries. We know how that one plays out. But if we come across a politics now that, um, that, you know, people say might bring freedom to the people, then we say, well, that's potentially uh, Western liberalism system, you know, a Western liberalism system. All we have to do is carefully analyze it, like we carefully analyze, you know, ideas from China. Um, we could grab Indigenous Australia and we could really understand it and get involved with it, comprehend it, and we might say, you know what? That's even better than some of the ones we've come up with, like capitalism or, you know, communism or, you know, these systems we've come up with ourselves. Let's, well, let's define um, Indigenous Australian politics as a, a, a very helpful, you know, something we should include in the mix. You know, we should, we could say to ourselves, have elements of Indigenous politics as in and included in the suite of political systems that we use in a western nation now i might expand on this later but i kind of think that would be a good idea for australia um we've already got we're already including a number of um political systems invented by the west um you know for example capitalism and socialism we both use we in australia use a bit of both of those um we could also um include ideas from Indigenous Australia and create a new blended sort of constitution out of that. Now I'll just say there's a debate on right at the moment in Australia um, and we're trying to get Indigenous culture recognised in um, the Australian constitution. Now I don't think, I don't like that as much, you know, and that's just me. Um, this is the Australia Club, the European Australia Club, saying we agree to recognise Indigenous Australia. You know, that's almost like trying to bring Indigenous Australia, recognise Indigenous Australia in what is still the European Club, you know what I mean? I actually think we should try and be a little bit more sophisticated and make a new, you know, make a new constitution. That sounds crazy, but you know, but. Uh, Every time you review a constitution, it's a new constitution anyway, you know, even if you just do a slight amendment, it's still a new constitution, right? So it's not that crazy, but we should, rather than say, listen, the base constitution is the European one, um, but, um, and we should include a, a, you know, a paragraph about Indigenous Australia in the Europe, in what will still be the European constitution. We could be a little bit more sophisticated than that and say, let's grab all of Indigenous politics and all of European politics and create a new constitution, um, even though it'll probably be, have much more about European stuff. Anyway, doesn't matter. And 
create, you know, in principle, it might not work out this way, but we should say in principle, it's a good idea. Even if in practice, we would probably end up with a constitution that looks pretty much like the one we've got already, you know, with bits from the indigenous culture. But, you know, it's, 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 it's about how you look at the thing, not what you come out with at the end. Um, and how I would look at it is not to recognize indigenous Australia from the perspective of European Australia, but to grab the two Australias and make one out of the two of them. It's a slight, it's a nuanced and slight difference. I, I like that idea. You know? Now, all you immigrants will probably say and do the same for us too, but you know, that's, I, I don't want to do that. Yeah, that's possible too. Yeah. You can argue all that one out. All right. Next bit coming up in which I keep going. But when I keep going, I'm colder because I'm off for a walk in the next bit and it's freezing. Okay, so that's what's coming up. But just before I do, uh, I, I just a quick thought about Western medicine and um, being critical of it, actually, uh, I do hear, believe, understand that uh, in the first... So there was a, a period of time in the early days of Western medicine where we wanted a chemical approach, uh, a solution to everything, because I think we got excited. I think Western medicine got excited that, at the possibility that uh, a pill could be found to fix whatever might be the problem. So um, I think to its own detriment, Western medicine ignored what we might call these days natural healing options, you know, and tried to find... Um, chemical ones instead, you know. So I think Western medicine, you know, and you can understand that because uh, they found a lot of chemical solutions to things, um, and, you know, non-natural solutions to things that were working brilliantly and still do to this day, right? So they got some massive successes, Western medicine, uh, and I think to a certain extent Western medicine... Um, got too excited and turned its back on natural remedies, you know, and probably fairly got a reputation for um, not, uh, for being out of touch with a whole level of um, healing that, you know, that other places were doing and which the west was previously doing with ancient western medicine all right then but i think western medicine the light bulb has gone off um that they should never have done that and that uh they are bringing the natural remedies back for testing of course or else it isn't or else it isn't western medicine you know uh non-western medicine tends to be we have always you know put leeches on for this sort of problem so we should continue to you know ignoring whether it actually works or not you know um under testing all right so um 
Western medicine. Yeah, but recently, uh, I think Western medicine is saying, ah, you know, where no, let's bring all that stuff back in, including our ancient uh, natural remedies and Chinese natural remedies and every other natural, indigenous Australian and every other natural remedy. Let's bring it all in, bring in all the plants from the Amazon, you know, bring all the plants in from the bush and all the other things too that might help, you know. Um, For example, I know an oncologist um, who is making a serious push to... Um, uh, to uh, let, uh, to pr- make it such that he can prescribe exercise, hard exercise, as a treatment for cancer alongside chemotherapy and radiation. You know, and he th- he um, because and he's calling that Western medicine. That exercise can be Western medicine. Now, if you're still of the view that Western medicine means a chemical solution, well, this guy is very much a practitioner of Western medicine. He, um, you know, we just know that he won't uh, prescribe anything that hasn't been through trials, right? But he has um, seen the literature on the benefits of exercise, in uh, patients um, uh, recovering from, you know, trying to see off cancer one way or another. And he has seen the positive results and it's all been trialled under the scientific method and the results are in and it works, okay? Or it passes the tests that, Western, you know, that science, or Western science demands, you know. Um, Western science, you know, the science, as we call it, the scientific method, does demand a leap of faith, you know, and uh, religious people observe and note that. They say, you know, the scientific method is only a faith-based system anyway. Yeah, but um, it's a faith-based system in as much as we are trusting our senses. You know, we have faith that truth is whatever the whatever the senses detect is truth you know and it's about accurately working out what the senses are detecting you know um but then um cancer is um something the senses detect now you might say um that it's an illu- illusion that you've got cancer and everything well if you want to you know don't worry about chemotherapy and radiation and exercise, you know. Instead, just meditate and it'll go away, okay? And I do recommend that if you're absolutely certain of all that, you know. Or you might believe that if you have the secret, if you've heard of that, the secret, and you truly believe it, the, um, that it will make the cancer go away, you can wish it away, you know. And if you truly believe that, I say, go ahead, you know. I don't expect to see you in five years, but, you know, go ahead. I, you know, this episode is not trying to save lives. Um, this podcast is not trying to save lives. This tri- podcast is not, not trying to be moral, you know. But this oncologist I know is um, into any natural remedies that testing has shown to deliver positive results, you know, so he's into, um, you know, for example, if meditation delivers, um, uh, is proven to deliver, you know, a calm mind is proven to deliver a, um, uh, 
results, then he would prescribe it. You know, and uh, and if exercise is proven to deliver those results for cancer sufferers, sufferers, because it is suffering, um, then he would he would prescribe um, exercise if he were allowed to. But I think that's still you know. The medical board has to look at that and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it'll come, apparently. It'll come. So Western medicine is not, in the 21st century at least, blind to natural remedies, you know. They're in scope. Um, But if you're a medical person, you'll know more about all this stuff than I do. Um, But the criticism that Western medicine means uh, chemical approach and that other medicines have a monopoly on natural remedies well no that's not true anymore um you know something like chinese medicine um you uh, the, you trust the natural remedies if those natural remedies have a long history in china of trial and error by observation let's say in china uh, you know, but you know, the Western medicine would say, "Look, you're probably taking a few things there that are having no positive effect at all, except you know, maybe if you think they're having a positive effect, you know, they're releasing endorphins, positive vibes that you know might be having some sort of efficacious effect or anything." But you know, and I'm inclined to think that. Just because something's been um, used for a thousand years, that's not that doesn't make it legitimate, you know, uh, because it might have been used um, with no proof, yeah, you know, with no benefit for a thousand years. But just because it's been used for, just because something's been done for uh, for a thousand years, um, doesn't mean it make it good. Because you know, back in the political sphere, uh, authoritarian rule was done for thousands of years and. That wasn't good, according to the many. You know, the the greatest good for the greatest number of people, if you like, if that's your thing, if you're an enlightenment man or woman. Okay, so that's that. Yeah, I just want to make mention of that. Look, let's let's have this ep- this portion of the episode coming up, in which you can just hear in my voice because I already listened to the first part of it. That I'm cold. Let's listen to cold me. If you're Chinese and you're from the land of Facebook or whatever land they've got in China, uh, what is that called? WeWo or something? I've heard of it. We 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 woo. Um, a huge platform apparently uh, monitored by the government as far as I know but if you're from Facebook land and you're from China and um, and you take everything that people say literally and you um, are a bit upset that I claimed that Chinese medicine says that if you grind up rhinoceros horns and suspend them in water and then mix in a tiger's paw, uh, that that will cure rickets. Uh, I was only joking. I don't, I don't, I don't know what rickets is. (laughs) I really don't. (laughs) All right then. Um, I know what scurvy is (laughs) and, uh, and I, and I know that 
Captain Cook was a pioneer for keeping his sailors alive. Uh, I think he stopped in Brazil, was it? And picked up some limes and, and his crew safely made it through to Australia. You know, uh, something like that. All right, uh, but look, if, you've, if you do take me literally, uh, you've come to the wrong place. All right. Uh, so, uh, what, what was I doing? Now, another thing you might be thinking, uh, listening to that uh, little introduction that I just made on whatever this episode is going to be about, which I've just resolved, will be about whether or not liberalism can spread its wings even further than it has. Um, and my, defini- my definition of liberalism for the purposes of this podcast, is nothing like the definition of liberalism that someone from the United States would give you. Uh, They have a completely different definition of liberalism than I have. Uh, I've got enough ego to suggest that I think mine is better. You know, all the great political philosophers, political scientists of the United States right now... uh, 90% of whom are more intelligent than me and know a lot more about politics than me, uh, I've decided that I've got the definition right and they've got the definition wrong, you know. And I'm talking about so many people. Now, we do that, we humans. Uh, We've got this power to believe that we're right and, you know, as individuals, that we're right and that people who are smarter than us uh, in, in every possible way testable are wrong. Uh, this is one of our skills as humans, and I've got that skill too. Um, so, for example, you can get an atheist who has a, an IQ and EQ a BQ and a CQ and a DQ, you know, all the different quotients you can think of, um, of, let's say, you know, a really intelligent one, who, let's say, is 120 on average across all those... In fact, minimum 127 uh, on all those measures, okay? Right. And there could be a born-again Christian who scores 157 on all those and the 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 person with 127 might well go up to that person who has got a score of 157 and say you're an idiot (laughs) this is the special skill that we humans have you know um and vice versa you know a religious person might come to a um an atheist and say the same thing you know and the religious person might have the iq eq uh, bc and dq of um of 124 and the um and the atheist might have the higher iq and you know the religious person might say you're an idiot you know yeah to think that all oh, this is random or oh, I don't think atheists, well, scientists, 
um, say that anyway. Uh, all right, let's move on. Yes, we know we, there can be scientists, Christians, and scientists, atheists. And, oh, let's move on. Right, now if you were listening to my introduction, such as it was, um, you might be thinking, oh, sporty monk, I think, is showing signs of indigenous activism there. He started to say that maybe the West, you know, Western politics, i.e. liberalism, you know, I'm going to say the West in the modern era, another word for the West in my mind, you know, this is the definition of this podcast. Um, the West is one and the same thing as the idea of liberalism. Now, that's a huge statement. That's how broad I want to make my definition of liberalism. Okay? The West, the idea of the West, politically at least, and socially and economically, is the idea of liberalism. One and the same thing, okay? So everything that you know about the West, um, you know, post kings and queens, post the idea of divine monarchies, you know, because we've put them all away now in the West, as far as I know. I don't think we've got any divine monarchs left. I don't think we've got any kings and queens that rule by divine right. I don't think we've got any true monarchies left in the Western world. Right. You might be thinking that um, Sporty Monk here has uh, gone a bit indigenous on you, you know. Um, well, I haven't, you know. I'm actually not pro-West or pro-Indigenous. I'm not here to show respect for Indigenous culture, and I'm not here to show respect for Western culture or any other culture. I'm here just to be a liberal, really, to be a liberal. Okay, um, and by that I mean to just try and, you know, within my, you know, I've got a, an, an IQ and an EQ and a BC and DQ that averages out at 112, as it turns out. So I'm, you know, I'm smarter than some, um, but I'm not as smart as those other guys I mentioned before. Okay, so um, yeah. You might be thinking I'm starting, you know, because I've been chatting and chatting and chatting for episode after episode after episode, and oh my goodness, he's just starting to talk about could Australia benefit if it got more indigenous in its thinking? You might be thinking, is he starting to um, try and um, go a little bit indigenous, you know? And even if you're an indigenous person listening, you say, uh huh. Are you coming to your senses? Are you coming to your senses, Western man? And I'm, I would say, no, I'm not. Couldn't care less. Um, I'm not here for you. I'm not, I'm not. In fact, I uh, threw an insult at the Ethiopians in that introduction too. You know, because at the same, at, at the same time as I was saying, maybe indigenous culture has something. You know, could be brought in from the cold and included in our suite of options under the category of liberalism, you know, liberal ideas, you know, maybe indigenous culture, indigenous politics, as existed before the Europeans got here, uh, might offer some freedom for the people. Yeah, might offer uh, something to the overall idea of liberalism that we're looking for in Australia. I mean, in Australia, we've already got... 
capitalism and socialism as a mix in Australia. You know, we have uh, a strong focus on wealth for the individual. Um, if you work for it or, you know, pass it down through the generations or whatever, leave it to your kids, you know. Um, a lot of progressives who say money shouldn't be left to your kids, you know, once they have kids and then die, their wills do often sort of say, I leave these, this to my kids, you know, and they, you know, often is the case that they don't leave it to the state, you know. So, a true communist, sorry, a, yeah, a true, a true, 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 I mix them all up. A true socialist would, um, who had a house, just a house, you know, only worth, you know, a million dollars or whatever, which is not a lot in the modern world, uh, you know, a total wealth of a million dollars, and that person's got five kids, you know. Um, now, that person, if in his or her will, he or she leaves all his or her money to the state government of Victoria here in Australia or to the federal government, you know, back into consolidated revenue, just, you know, I leave all my money to consolidated revenue to be used by the government as it, as the government sees fit, you know, in the government's wisdom, all right? Someone who does that is a true socialist, and I would respect that. Uh, but I do, I do bet that very few socialists do that. Um, okay. Um, and a communist um, should, as he makes his will or she makes her will, um, leave the money um, to all the people, you know, somehow. I don't know how you'd do that. One cent to every person in Australia. All right. Now, um, now in my introduction, yes, I said that the West had come up with a, many liberal ideas, including conservatism, you know, Western-style conservatism, um, you know, which often is the case. You know, I think is progressive conservatism is the way conservatives that I know think. And Robert Menzies, the leader of our Liberal Party, the uh, person who started our Liberal Party in Australia, um, said our Liberal Party will be a progressive conservative party. Yeah. And, um, and these days we tend to call that Liberal Conservatives, you know. But I really like Robert Menzies's original definition, progressive conservatives, um, because liberal conservatives, again, messes things up a little bit, you know, because liberalism should be reserved for the overall or overall umbrella of liberalism, you know, which includes socialism, for example, right, and communism and anarchy and everything, you know, that we know in the West. Right, so you might be thinking, now, in my introduction, I said um, we could consider... Indigenous um, Australian politics, as existed before Europe came here to Australia, as a system or a set of systems, because you know there was different types of politics all over Australia, different nations all over Australia, as we call it, in a, a broader than I'm comfortable with definition of nation, nation, nationhood, no nationalism, whatever. I'm not sure they were nations, you know. Um, 
You've got to be careful with definitions of words. I might, I might try and define nash, nation, the word nation, another time. Um, oh, I'm out on a walk and it's just starting to rain, damn it. Um, okay, uh, so you might be thinking, so in my introduction, um, I said I would consider um, the idea of Indigenous Australia being brought in as a much more valid um, form of liberalism than the West has um, given respect to. Uh, but I said I, would, I wouldn't include um, the, the great era of kings and, well, kings in Ethiopia as such a system. I would reject that system as non-liberal. You know. Now, I'm not saying it, um, that non-liberal systems always give a bad result. You know, uh, A benevolent dictatorship can give a great result. All I'm saying is it's not a liberal system. You know, So the, these couple of episodes are about liberalism. And so authoritarian rule is out as an option. That's the only one that's ruled out. Which means Indigenous Australia is ruled in now. A big wind has blown up. Well, big, big-ish. So it's probably messing up this recording. Uh, I'm not into high-tech recording. I've played you a couple of songs in previous episodes um, and they've got no quality at all because I'm not here to impress with quality. Um, Obviously, in any way. Just give me a second, I'm just getting out of the rain. Um, Yeah, if I'm playing you a clip off the internet, what I do is I put my phone up to the iPad and just press play. <laughs> no quality at all, you know. Um, yeah, I said listen to a song in the in an episode or two ago. You know, a song I really like, but I, it had such bad quality that it was horrible to listen to. So you know, I'm not trying to sell anything when I make these podcasts. All right, I'm back under shelter again. Okay, so yes, so I insulted Ethiopia. You know, it's great era of kings, but you know, only in the sense of wanting to insult um, everything that's non-liberal. Uh, you know, including the kings and queens of England and France and so on and Europe prior to the Enlightenment. You know, so I wanted to sort of say all that that system is out. Now, that's not to say that those sorts of systems, authoritarian rule under a divine dictatorship, um, can't bring freedom to the people better than liberalism can. I think they can. Um, and uh, and um, I, think, I think they can bring... You know, if you get a benevolent dictator, you can get that. But, the, you know, the obvious issue with benevolent dictatorships is whether the son of the benevolent dictator is going to be just as benevolent. And history shows that uh, you can't guarantee that, um, ever, you know. Even if the son is benevolent enough, the grandson's going to be a pig, you know, or the great-grandson. It's not going to last long, okay? So this is why liberals, like my... And I honestly think I am a liberal, actually, I, the only time I would call for a dictatorship, per se, is if we were in major danger, you know. And I would vote for a dictator in that situation because I'm, 
a little bit like a Roman of old in that sense. Um, the Romans had a system where if their what you might call liberal system was in danger from an external threat usually in the early days and then later an internal threat, um, the Roman Republic, if that was in danger, they had um, a roll sitting in a box locked up with a key that they could crack open. Or they could crack open the box and they'd pull this roll out and the roll would be called the roll of a dictator. And they'd put a dictator in charge just to see Rome through the crisis, you know. So the crisis was typically an external crisis before uh, about 146 or 7 BC. Before then, it tended to be an external crisis. You know, maybe from Carthage, maybe from Greece. You know, um, maybe from somewhere else in Italy, a little bit earlier along. Maybe from Gaul, you know. Um, when Rome was smaller, you know, the crises were from the tribes around Rome. And they subdued them. And then the crisis was from Carthage and Greece. And they defeated those two guys in about 147, 48 BC. And, you know, they would pull out this role of a dictator, put it in place for a few months, or, or maybe even six months or a year. And, and then once the crisis was over, they'd put the dictator away and they'd go back to their um, non-authoritarian, so to speak, rule. Comment in passing, uh, now that we've gone back to a Roman-ish type world, uh, you know, a liberalism as, you know, might be uh, understood in the old Roman way, uh, re-emerged in the West via the Renaissance and the Enlightenment, and liberalism then has, you know, swept the world in one form or another, as discussed previously. Um, and just taking Ethiopia as an example, uh, it has used that device uh, a few times lately. I've been following Ethiopia for a separate podcast on Ethiopia. And uh, Ethiopia, under the current, let's say, regime, under Dr. Abbey, and under the previous regime, in both of those regimes, Ethiopia has pulled out that sort of role out of the, the locked cupboard. Uh, uh, we don't call it a dictator anymore. We call it um, a state of emergency. So what you do is you declare a state of emergency in which you suspend your liberalism to a large extent. You suspend your liberalism and you go back to something more authoritarian just to see you through the crisis, you know. And in Ethiopia, excuse my sniffling, you know, a bit, bit cold. I haven't got a cold, but it's a bit cold. Uh, I'm walking again. Um, so in Ethiopia, what might be called, you know, a li the liberal idea of civil rights was suspended recently under Dr. Abbey, the current sort of prime minister. Not sort of, he is. And uh, civil rights were suspended, and no, no doubt some bad things happened under, under, you know, while that state of emergency was on. And same thing with the previous Prime Minister, uh, before Dr. Dr. Abbey came in, uh, and same thing. There was a, an uprising uh, by the Oromo people in the south, and a state of emergency was called, and uh, the internet was shut down, 
and no doubt some bad things happened, which we, we don't know about. Well, a few things leaked out, you know. Um, but, you know, the government tries to suppress all that. So, you know, during these states of emergency, you can knock some people off. Yeah, and I'm sure that was done under the previous regime in Ethiopia, and I'm sure it's been done recently under the current regime. Yeah, and I'm sure it was done in Rome when a dictator was in place. The dictator would go into a suburb where there was some, uh, where there was some dissidents, let's say, and just get get the, um, yeah, get his troops, guards, his personal guards, to start slaughtering. You know, uh, whilst the dictatorship was on. You know, and um, and if even you know, in you know, I can't imagine it in Australia, but it could happen. If it happened in Australia, that we had a state of emergency one day for one reason or another, yeah, you know, the internet would get cut. Probably, it got cut in Ethiopia. Uh, the internet, you know, social media was cut at least in Ethiopia on both occasions, I think, especially in the first occasion. And uh, in Australia, you know, you can imagine social media being cut, communications being cut, and. Yeah, and the, and the police coming knocking on doors up and down the street and uh, hauling a few people away, you know. Now, that sounds crazy in Australia, but it happens in other countries, and it could happen here. You'd only need a few things to go bad, um, a few more terrorist attacks and some pretty bad ones, and a few things like that, and you could have that. Um, let's get back to the show. Okay. Now, the, the liberalism that the Romans had was not the liberalism we... Th- well, it was the liberalism we think of today um, in style, but it didn't apply to everybody in Rome. But it was still the same liberalism. So liberalism back in the old times was liberty, freedom for the people, but only for the, um, the elite, Okay, so it was actually a liberal system, but just for a small sample of the population, and they had slaves and everything to allow those free people to be even more free. So that is a form of liberty, and that form of liberty in which you just have a small group of people, you know, uh, the Romans, you know, the proper Romans, the citizens, let's say, and the Greeks were the same, and then you collect a whole lot of slaves and other people um, as slaves, not citizens, no vote, no nothing, you know, and those people are not Romans, but you still have a liberal system for the few. Um, Now, you might say, well, that's not liberal. No, it is liberal amongst the few, right? It is a liberal system, and, you know, in the Enlightenment, slowly, 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 uh, uh, you know, that was picked up that old idea. Had that old idea not existed, we might not have had the Renaissance and then the Enlightenment, you know. But the, the fact that the Greeks and the Romans invented that idea way back then, where they had a liberal system where, um, where the political system arose from reasoned debate, the fact that it even existed for even the few matters because when the renaissance and then the enlightenment picked it up on it many centuries later we just took that idea and then pushed it out to the all of humanity eventually even to women you know slaves first then the women you know 
um, John Lennon was switched onto that, you know, in his song, uh, Woman is the Nigger of the World, you know. Um, so, you know, am I allowed to say that word? Of course I am, you know, cause, um, because of the context, you know. And you might say, no, you can't, and then I'll say, I just did, all right? And you might say, I'm a bad person, and I say, I don't care, you know. If you can't understand nuance and um, all that sort of stuff and context, then I'm not concerned. You know, you should be. Right. And if, you, if you're crying now because I said that word, well, you're in, you're in bigger trouble than I am. Right. Now, um, uh, so, um, liberalism. So, this is my definition of liberalism, you know. Now, I was... Um, in, now, I think it's an interesting point to sort of say right up front before I start talking about whether Indigenous culture in Australia and, you know, by extension, Indigenous cultures in other parts of the world uh, might have something to offer the overall idea of liberalism, you know, and whether we can bring that in to the idea of the West, you know, bring in the idea of Indigenous Australian politics prior to the Europeans came, coming to Australia into the idea of the West, much like the way we bring Chinese medicine sometimes into Western medicine, if we put it through scientific testing, you know, trials, as, we call, as they call it in medicine, I believe, if we do that and it comes up, thumbs up, you know, um, and if it gets the thumbs up, you know, it, it proves to cure rickets, um, then great, you know. So we often do that. You know, we go in deep into the Amazon, we Westerners sometimes, and we find herbs and things like that that are reported to have efficacious effects. And, uh, and um, we put it through trials and testing. And then eventually, if the, um, if the testing all comes thumbs up, we write it into our journals and we peer review it and it becomes part of Western medicine, okay? And, you know, the Amazon tribe, you know, people might jump up and down and say, you have stolen that from the Amazon tribes. And we say, we're not here to worry about whether we're stealing stuff or not. We're just here to um, see whether we can save lives, you know, because Western medicine is about saving lives. We don't care about all that, you know? And then they might say, um, well, you should, you know, given they reported the efficacious effects of this stuff, the Amazon people, you should give them some money for um, having um, proven that, you know. And then the drug companies um, say, yes, we should, but we're not going to because we're pigs. You know, we're still pigs, but, you know, we're here to save lives and make money, all right, because we are capitalist. So <laughs> that was just for fun, all of that. All right, now... You know, I'm not here for you to love the West. And I'm not here for you to hate the West. I'm just here to explore the West. And Indigenous Australia, so let's get on to them. So, you might be thinking I'm getting a little bit activist here in favour of the Indigenous Australians and a little bit disrespectful at the same time to Ethiopian history. Uh, but I'm not. I'm here to explore. And the only reason I dismissed... Ethiopian history of kings and the Ethiopian history of kings and queens, um, royalty back through the ages all the way back to Solomon. The only time I dis the only reason I dismiss that is because this episode is called liberalism, 
And that's not liberalism. That's the only reason, you know, it's contextual. Now, I might do an episode. In fact, I'm doing a whole podcast on Ethiopia. And in that podcast, I extol the virtues of all those, that great era of Ethiopian history. All right? So you've come to the wrong podcast again. Go back to my other podcasts, you know, because sometimes I argue one way passionately and sometimes I argue the other way passionately because I'm a philosopher, not an activist. A philosopher, you think you're clever? <laughs> Did that sound American? Um, you think you're clever now? <laughs> um, no, I don't think I'm clever. Um, I don't think um, to call yourself a philosopher is to call yourself clever. Anybody can be a philosopher. Uh, to be a philosopher, you just have to be willing to think from different angles. You don't have to be good at it, all right? So I'm a philosopher, um, but that is, you know, yeah, uh, that doesn't mean I'm clever, okay? You can be a scientist, but a pretty, a pretty stupid one, but a scientist neither, nonetheless. In fact, I am a scientist, believe it or not, and I'm probably the worst, and I'm not even, you know, being false self-deprecating here, I'm probably the worst scientist in Australia. I really am. You know, I reckon there would be, you know, um, probably, I reckon, 100,000 people with no qualifications in science in Australia who know a hell of a lot more about science than I do. You know, I am not, um, having collected a couple of pieces of paper in my life, you know, I know... Uh, as well as anybody, that you can get a piece of paper by just learning how to pass tests, which is what I did. Oh, and I had to do that um, in the era before the internet, so you actually had to write it all out. You know, <laughs> you couldn't cheat as easily as you can now. You know, um, you couldn't. You couldn't have. Uh, you couldn't wear glasses to the um, Google glasses <laughs> to the. Um, to the lecture hall, you know, to, into the exam and just read the answers off Wikipedia. <laughs> I don't know if they can do that, but geez, we're getting, coming in that direction. In fact, speaking of Ethiopia, I think they shut the internet down occasionally. I think they shut the internet down occasionally while exams are on to stop that sort of thing. Now, I think they might be shutting the internet down for political reasons um, sometimes. But I think the reported uh, reason is often because exams were on, uh, you know, with the students and they shut down the internet while the exams are on. I reckon that's really interesting, you know. But, you know, uh, all right, moving on. So, um, so what am I doing then when I suggest bring Indigenous Australian in for testing to see whether it has anything to offer us in the West? Um in terms of greater freedom for the people, you know. Have they got anything to teach us, is what I'm getting at. And you might be saying, you're getting all very, you're getting all very bolshy there, sporty. You're getting all bolshy, you know, and a bit loving, you know. Within, I'm not getting loving. I'm actually being a liberal by even asking the question. In the same way as a, uh, a Western medical researcher might bring in indigenous um, medicine into... Uh, laboratories for testing you know, I'm kind of doing the same thing with indigenous political systems it's not because I love indigenous political systems I'm just bringing them in for testing you know 
Um, in fact, I'm being a very bad liberal if, um, you know, whether I'm being, whether that mean, whether I'm a left winger or a right winger, I'm a liberal regardless in the Western world, um, but I'm being a very bad left winger or right winger if I just ignore other political systems that might have something to offer. So I'm not being um, pro-Indigenous. I'm just being rational. You know, it would be irrational to not consider, to refuse to consider Indigenous culture as something that might offer something to a, a future Australia, you know, that is better than the current Australia, all right? I'm not being anti-West even. I'm just being rational. That's what I think anyway. Now, there may be holes in my argument there, um, but I don't know what they are at the moment. That's for you to be thinking about, you know. It's not for me to be thinking about. I'm doing my maximum level of thinking already, you know. This is the best I can think. Um, but I've only got an IQ, BQ, CQ, DQ, EQ, FG, HQ, LQ, G, Q, B, Q, T, Q, 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 IQ, <laughs> um, of 112, okay? Um, so this is the best I can think. But if you've got a higher IQ and XQ, um, you can, and you, you're crazy enough to be listening to someone more stupid than you, um, use what I'm saying as a, a thinking starter, you know, something, uh, you know, that you can um, turn over in your head and reject because you've got a better idea, but at least I gave you something to reject. You know? And that, that can be of value. In fact, I learn best often if someone stupider than me, and there are people stupider than me, say something stupid. You know, I learn better from those guys sometimes than I learn from someone smarter than me saying something smarter than I could have come up with. Because when the stupider person starts, says something that clashes with what makes sense to me, it gets me, you know, I might, I might turn that around in my head for the next six hours um, and really put some thought into it, you know, because I'm trying to oppose that person, you know. We, we like to think a lot more deeper when we're trying to oppose an idea, I think, than when we're trying to agree with an idea, because we're humans, especially we Irish. <laughs> That's a joke. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Pause for a sec. Right then, so, just the idea I'm bringing into play, just bringing it into play with it, the idea I'm bringing into play is can we bring indigenous um, culture and ideology and politics and all and laws and all that stuff in and have a really good hard look at it which would mean um, sitting down with indigenous people for huge amounts of time and not be in a rush no pens and papers, no taking notes, no trying to summarise what they're telling us in policy for a while, you know, at least for a couple of years, at least for 20 years, at least for 10 years. Um, look, we Westerners love to write everything down, but part of bringing Indigenous culture in would be um, to break our habit of needing to distill everything into policy and constitutions and law. Maybe we even have to get away from that. And this is where we start to make ourselves anxious a little bit, us Westerners, 
But, you know, maybe there's something to be said for that. Um, just pause for a second. Again. Well, not quite. I won't press the pause button. Uh, but, yeah, I'm just avoiding people, actually. Uh, because I'm out for a walk. And I keep seeing people I know. And you have to cross the street to ignore them. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> You know, just so you don't, and they're happy about that too because you know no one wants to strike up a conversation in the cold and the wet and the ra- the rain, you know, and occasionally the hail in the last couple of days here in Melbourne. Okay, um, everyone just wants to move on, and that includes me, right? Uh, so, um, what was I talking about then? Yes, uh, I mean no, I don't know. Um, yeah, indigenous culture. Oh yeah. Now, it's tricky because to really have a good hard look at indigenous culture, you, and this is where it makes Westerners like me anxious, is you have to put aside your Western methodology a little bit, you know. So it gets a little bit tricky there uh, because politics is a lot to do with the way you do things. Western medicine, it's easy. You bring in... um, You know, you can still stick to your Western ways because the idea of Western medicine is to take an indigenous medicine and bring it in for trials. And if it tests out to be true, then use it. You know, you don't have to put across, you don't have to put the scientific method away. But when it comes to the way humans relate to each other, um, to properly bring an indigenous idea in, you actually have to put your Western way of thinking aside. And that gets tricky, but do you know what? In Australia, and I'm being an extreme liberal here, no, not the sort of a liberal that the Republicans dislike in America. I'm not being a Democrat, you know. I'm being a liberal in the same way that, you know, I think, you know, Tony Abbott is a liberal, you know, or in the same way that Donald Trump is a liberal. Or Candace Owens, who I don't really know, but my goddaughter has um, introduced me. And in the same way that, you know, communists are liberals. You know, that sort of liberalism. You have to listen to my previous episode. I've got my own definition of liberalism in this podcast as a whole. And it is, for the purposes of this podcast, I don't know if you ever do maths, but, you know, when, uh, when you're doing a maths problem, someone says, let X equal 2 x does equal two it does equal two even if you want it to equal three so within the these these podcasts liberalism does mean what i say it means you know um i'm not dictating that i'm saying it's true for the purposes of this podcast i'm not saying it's true in your head i'm saying it's true for the purpose of this podcast this is a you know this is the sort of thinking i don't think you could do on facebook um I shouldn't disrespect Facebook all the time like that, you know, uh, because, like I said, I've got an XQ um, of around about 112, and a lot of people, you know, I reckon, look, I'll be honest, uh, let me think, I reckon 39, I actually think I'm pretty smart, okay, I'm not the most stupid sort of kangaroo in the bottom paddock i reckon 39 percent of people in the world are smarter than me i reckon i'm sitting on um 71 haha i did that on purpose did my maths wrong (laughs) okay Uh, because i wanted to prove i only have an xq of 112 okay um 
So I shouldn't disrespect Facebook because it's not Facebook. It's who, it's whoever happens to be talking on Facebook at any moment in time, isn't it? So there are very intelligent people on Facebook. In fact, you know, if Einstein was around today, he'd probably be on Facebook saying E equals empk. You know, empt, empt, m squared. E, e, e equals mk squared. You know, something like that. So, so uh, Einstein would be on that. You know. And, um, and okay, so that's that. Um, but I'm going to disrespect it anyway because I find it fun. <laughs> and and be, look, for one reason and one reason only and about 16 other reasons, I do think Facebook's a problem and Twitter is even a bigger problem and Instagram or whatever it is is even a bigger problem. And that is the platform itself discourages long, long long rambling discussion now you probably hate my long long rambling discussion but my feeling is and it's only my feeling that for example if we want to really get along you know if we really wanted to get the best out of indigenous australia and european australia and um create a new australia that was got the best out of both and each um we would really want to sit down with Indigenous people and just sit and talk for around about 80 years. 80, you know, until we really got to know each other. You know, because I... And, and, um, and I'm not being moralistic there. You know, I'm one of the worstest people in the world for that because I have lived in Australia for 56 years since I've been born and I do not know one Indigenous person. Now, you can say I'm a bad person for that, you know, not even going out to try and find an Indigenous person to be friends with. But no, I don't go out looking for friends ever, you know. And I'm not trying to make the world a better place and I'm not here for the, you know, to, 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 to make, make love with Indigenous culture. In this podcast, I'm just trying to think what is the rational thing to do not what is the moral thing to do or the right thing to do now that may be one and the same thing the moral thing to do might might end up to be being the rational thing to do and vice versa you know and if it is well that's just lucky it's not my aim you know sometimes the rational thing to do is you know to ah sorry i got interrupted by a FaceTime call at the critical moment. Yes, sometimes it's a rational thing to do uh, to pick up a brick and cave someone's head in. Kill them, you know, despite uh, whatever uh, of the Ten Commandments thou shalt not kill is. <laughs> um, you know, and you know, an obvious case of that is if that other person is about to kill your children, you know. So you pick up a brick and you cave his head in before he can. Alright? So that's not a bad thing, you know. So but yeah, what I'm getting at, I'm not here to be lovey dovey. Not here to be lovey dovey. I'm I'm just trying to because this is an episode on liberalism, I'm trying to play the game of liberalism and say that it might be rational to um create a new Australia that is a blend and gets the best out of both 
European Australia and Indigenous Australia, okay? So, you know, conservatives will hate me, progressives will love me for that. But in another episode, I might be talking about something else and progressives will love me and conservatives will hate me. I'm not here to be loved by anybody. You know, I'm not a like seeker. <laughs> a like seeker. Um, okay, um, so that's that. That wouldn't have made sense, a like seeker. That little phrase I just made up not long ago, you know, before internet, before social media was invented. But I think people know what a like like seeker is, you know. Um, Okay, so that's that. Um, And then by extension, um, one can imagine, you know, and I'm not, you know, saying that I want this to happen. I'm saying maybe Sharia law by the uh, Muslim people. Maybe Sharia law has some things that could assist us with liberalism, but I'm not sure whether that would apply. I am actually not sure, and I'm just being logical here, because I think, uh, I don't know how Islamic politics works very well. Um, And, oh, look, it's a diverse kind of um, culture, Islam, and uh, culture and religion. Uh, in Saudi Arabia and I think in um, Iran as well, but definitely Saudi, um, the constitution, it, it kind of, they've got a constitution, so it almost looks like a Western liberal country, but the constitution is the Koran, you know. So authoritarian rule, divine rule, you know, God saying what the law is and what your politics shall be might have sneakily um, come in to Saudi in the disguise of Western liberalism. You know, because they said, we have a constitution and the constitution is the Koran. Ha ha, tricked you. <laughs> so I'm not sure whether we can include, well, at least Saudi-style Islam in um, the possible options for liberalism you know um indigenous australia i can see you know uh, but not not uh, an Allah religious style dictated um politics okay um not saying that that i might never vote for such a thing or want such a thing like i said even the ancient romans in times of crisis if rome itself was under threat they would reach for whatever they could use, including authoritarian dictatorship and all that stuff. So I'm not ruling out authoritarian dictatorship, and hopefully benevolent authoritarian dictatorship. And maybe there are two Allahs, you know, Allah, uh, God. Um, you know, maybe there's a benevolent Allah and a, and a, a non-benevolent Allah, you know, because there's a non-benevolent, benevolent, benevolent, it's freezing here. I'm going to say it wrong again. Benevolent. <laughs> There's a non-benevolent God in, um, in the Christian world. And there's a, a merciful one as well. Yeah, merciful. Yeah, well, I don't like the word merciful. Merciful means you've got a dictator on your hands. And he's got all power over you. And he, the only reason he's not killing you is because he's merciful. Mm, I don't like the sound of that. But... I might end, I'm freezing, so I might end the episode there because I reckon I've done a few minutes. And, uh, and there is my uh, 
an, an episode that I could call, as a title, Liberalism. Can it spread its wings any further? Epilogue to the episode. I almost came across in that episode as someone who thinks one way or another, in the end, liberalism is the answer. And uh, I guess to a certain extent I do. Um, You know, I sort of think, all right, liberalism is the answer. Um, And I guess in my head I'm thinking, I don't know which which blend of systems. I'm sort of thinking a a system that has components of all the different liberal systems, um, a little bit of capitalism, you know, to encourage people to work for a start, um, a little bit of socialism, you know, to um, to look after people who um, would otherwise fall between the cracks, um, something that will take care of the problem of racism and all that sort of thing and minority groups, you know. Uh, you know, there's this thing in philosophy I've heard, the greatest good for the greatest number of people. And, and while that's a nice morality, um, it does have that issue um, of that people who, you know, that will leave 1% of the world uh, maybe um, marginalised, okay? And we might not like that. Uh, oh, who knows? Um, but then, you know, uh, if there's, uh, you get a school sometimes and there's no children in the, with wheelchairs and there hasn't been any child for, with a wheelchair for the last 80 years and they build ramps anyway, just in case one day, you know, and is that, is that too expensive? Yeah, and that sort of thing, you know, for the likely benefit, things like that, you know. All right, so liberalism, you know, I, I kind of sometimes think get the balance right, and I do like that system the Romans had, where you you also don't throw out authoritarian rule, uh, and and you keep that in place, but only in emergencies, you know. So in ancient Rome, they had the. Uh, the device called the dictator, which got out of hand, and but it was good while it lasted. It eventually got out of hand, and Julius Caesar yeah, was the last and greatest dictator of the Republic of Rome, and uh, saw off the Republic of Rome. Now, um, and in the modern world, we have something similar: the device called the state of emergency. Um, so you know that's kind of it's kind of getting the best out of every possible system you can think of, you know, and I'm sort of at layer in, I'm thinking, layer in indigenous um, systems as well and bring them in under um, the suite of liberal options, you know, along with progressive progressive conservatism and socialism and everything else you can put and poke a stick at. Have elements of everything, you know, and then forever try to get the balance right. Uh, now that sounds to me good in theory. Um, and Naz, I think, is saying it doesn't work. 
you know, because look at the history so far. A little bit in the same way that a lot of people say communism doesn't work. It's good in theory, but it doesn't work in practice. You know, and I think Naz might be saying, and if I'm reading his lyrics right, liberalism, as brought in by the Enlightenment, has proven to not work. And it never will. You know, I, I kind of disagree, but um, you know, I think you should keep trying. But then communists think you should keep trying with socialism and communism. No, communists think you should keep trying with, well, with communism and socialism, you know, uh, different blends and all that sort of thing, you know. Um, so I guess I'm just being like those guys. Um, okay, but Naz would say, it doesn't work, throw it all away. Let's, um, Africa rising. We want to bring back the ancient ways when we were kings and we want to be kings again. You know, and I think he's saying go back to authoritarian rule in the way he speaks, you know, because he he really is loving the way it used to be. He loves the way it used to be in Egypt. I can't see how he's got any connection to Egypt um, at a guess, um, but he's claiming Egypt as part of his historical glory uh, because it happens to be on the same continent of uh, uh, that his people came from. Uh, he may be part Egyptian, but can't pick it, you know, um, you know, you can, I'm not going to take a DNA test, <laughs> alright, so that's Naz, Biggles, he would say, um, liberalism uh, is going great, and in particular, capitalist style liberalism, Biggles would say, emphasise that, you know, and de-emphasise socialist type liberalism, so Biggles would be arguing that. You know, whereas I'm a little different than Beagles, I would say get a nice blend of capitalism and socialism going, um, and all that sort of stuff, you know. And, and, you know, and I would also be bringing in um, indigenous uh, politics and law and culture as well, you know, in Australia, for example. And then, by extension, I'd be looking at the systems that immigrant nations have coming into Australia. I don't, um, you know, put aside... Greeks and Italians because our system comes from them <laughs> you, know, um, you know we should learn from the Greeks you know and the Romans we English well we already have centuries ago you know that's where we got our systems you know and and gave it our own spin but that's where we got it so um you know I know a Greek who was um who was bemoaning the change in Australian culture and um you know with all the recent immigrants you know and um, and someone else, I'm not going to name anybody, said, ha, that's a bit rich. You know, they were immigrants in the 1950s and here they are bemoaning change of culture, you know, politically, um, due to recent immigrants. And, and I said, no, 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 it's not like that. The Greeks and the Italians, um, when they came to Australia, they found their own systems here, you know, so they're protecting Greek and Italian systems, we got it from them, you know, so it's not the same, you know, so they want Australia to stay the same, because Australia is their system, you know, so to speak, you know, um, it's very different, you know, you can't compare Greek and Italian um, immigration, because culturally, you know, they're our, they are our heritage, and I'm talking about European Australia, and British Australia, so you can't, you know, just in a bubble thinking along those lines, um, you can't compare the Italian and Greek immigrants of the 1950s in terms of the impact on European Australia to 
um, people coming from cultures that are completely different to European Australia. Now, I'm not defending European Australia. I'm just saying why this Greek was uh, defending Australian culture so much and, um, and thinking that more recent immigrants were going to ruin it. I think you get what I'm saying. It's not the same thing, okay? They're not being hypocritical. They're defending their own culture by defending Australian culture. That's what the Greeks are doing, you know, and the Italians, let's say. Okay, so that's that. You know, racist, it's probably racist, but I'm just saying what it is, not what, I'm not being moral, I'm just saying what it is, you know. The two sets of immigrants can't be compared, is what I'm saying. Oh, well, that's what the Greeks are saying, and I'm inclined to agree. You can't use um, the CV of the Greeks and the Italians as proof that the next mobs from completely different cultural backgrounds will work just as well. You, know, you can't use their resume, you know, like a more recent immigrant from you know wherever, I don't care where, Vietnam or you know, China or whatever, they can't pick up the they can't pick up the example of the Greeks and the Italians and the success story that was, because it was a success story in Australia in the 1950s, and use their resume as proof that, you know, the next mob is going to fit in just as easily. Um, uh, and there's another reason for that too, because we went actually, you know, and it was part of the white Australia racist policy and all that sort of stuff, but we went out um, sort of asking the Greeks and the Italians to come you know, which is very different to a refugee, for example, where you didn't ask them to come. Now, I'm not saying it's good, you know, it's quite likely racist. In fact, I think it is. But I'm just saying it's um, a refugee is not going to have an easy time. You know, it's not going to be as likely a success in Australia. It's not a lay down misere in the same way that the Greeks and Italians coming here were a lay down misere. That's all I'm saying. But out of respect for Naz, um, in the same way that I'm wanting to show respect to Biggles as well in these episodes, the racist Biggles, and also the potentially racist Naz, because if Naz had his way, I think he would, you know, he would unite the blacks against the white, and the blacks uh, would um, rise up above and do to the whites what the whites have done to the blacks, you know. And at that point in time, if and when Naz was successful, he would be a racist. He's not a racist yet because he's not in a powerful position. Well, he personally is, but, you know, his idea of black is not um, superior yet. But he is trying to unite the blacks and get them in a superior position. And once they get in that superior position, if they follow his ideology, uh, you know, I think they would marginalise whites if they had the chance. From listening to his lyrics, no other reason, you know, he may have nuance I don't know about. And, um, and uh, I know he didn't do Old Town Road now. I thought he had a, a different angle to him for a while there because I thought Old Town Road was by Naz, but that turns out to be someone called Lil Naz X, which is a different person. So that tricked me. All right, but out of, res out of respect for Naz, I do want to investigate um, the idea that 
liberalism is a bad idea. Overall, the whole concept of liberalism should be thrown out and we should go back to kings and queens because I think that's what Naz thinks is a good idea. Now, out of respect for Naz, um, I should imagine he could be right. So I'll investigate that. In what ways can liberalism go bad and cause less freedom for the people? And I'll do that in the next episode. That's what the next episode will be about.